Hello and welcome to the Woo Woo Wonder Hour, where we discuss new age topics, including alternative health, spirituality, and all things metaphysical. I'm your host, Krista. And I'm your host, Roxy. And we are the Woo Woo Women. Woo-woo. Welcome to our 24th episode. Aurelia with Aurelia's Light is an award-winning composer, recording artist, teacher, and energy and sound healer. Aurelia's taught over 25,000 students how the incredible power of sound, intention, and frequency heals and empowers the body, mind, and spirit through the energy of singing and the sacred art of music. She's also an intuitive empath, Reiki master, mystic, and a mother, and came into this work after her own spiritual awakening in 2006. She's on a mission to assist women of all ages to know and feel their own powerful divinity and help them transform their lives through their own energetic and artistic gifts. Her unique and transformational methodologies evolve from the combination of her personal award-winning musical talents, along with 20 years of intensive research in sound and music and their effects on consciousness and masters of music, including studies at Juilliard School. As an award-winning recording artist, singer, and composer, Aurelia's Light performed on albums with Deepak Chopra, Krishna Das, Paul Arvin Reno, she'll have to let me know if I pronounce that right, and more and over the last past decade, past decade has released six albums that are currently played on XM radio, yoga, and healing centers and have been streamed millions of times. Oh, Jen, uh, ooh, Aurelia, we are so excited to talk to you. Yay, Aurelia. I'm so excited to be here, ladies. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You are definitely our kind of woman. Uh, we have been wanting to speak to someone like yourself for a very long time because we so deeply believe in the power of sound and how it relates to consciousness. So if you could, we'd like to always start at the beginning with asking people that we interview to share with us in your own words, your story and how you became a sound healer. And I want to say spiritual teacher as well. Ah, yeah. So it has been quite a journey. Um, And, you know, it would probably be best to start somewhere in the beginning. So I was born into a very gifted musical family. My, my parents were gifted musicians, my aunts, uncles, great aunts, all my cousins. And so music was very intertwined in our family life. And so I started playing the piano, classical piano at five. And, um, and I always sang when I was little, I think I, I was born out the womb singing. And, um, so that was where my journey through studying music began and as i i just i loved it uh piano came kind of naturally to me too although i sat there for hours to practice and i would study the great minds of beethoven and bach and and there was something really resonant that their works uh just 
they, it's instilled such a deep sense of spirituality from a very young age to me. And um, so when I was 11 years old, I started teaching. So that was kind of my first uh, jump into the world of teaching. I would ride my bike to teach piano lessons at 11 years old. So that was kind of funny. Wow. I never, yeah, I never really wanted to be a teacher, honestly, never. It just came, it came naturally to me. And um, it, it is part of my path, whether I wanted to do it or not. So I had to kind of, you know, rectify that within myself. So I, like a very normal teen, um, I would decline many parties to just study and hang out with Beethoven. <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah, I, I just really deeply connected with these minds that um, understood music at a fundamental level, like harmony and composition and intervals and, and, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach, he, you know, he was born in 1685, but his works were so progressive and profound and mathematically perfect. And, you know, it, 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 it was really inspiring. And I, I always knew I wanted to be a composer. And I actually also wanted to be a doctor. So those two things were the two things I wanted to be a composer and a doctor. And um, it's funny, I didn't study either. <laughs> but it, it's, 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 it's interesting, because I kind of do both now. So I, I do healing work. And I'm a composer. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting how all of our paths, we have a lot of clues, I think, throughout if we just pay attention, it's like, I look at our lives like a game or a, a puzzle that if we really pay attention, all the clues are there. We just have to follow them. And so as my, my journey progressed through the teens, I ended up getting a full scholarship for music. And there was a part of me that felt, so this is where the, the, the healing part for myself had to come in. I felt so not good enough. Um, and Although my gifts came so easily to me, there was this deep sense of unworthiness that I felt, but I couldn't pinpoint it then. I didn't know what it was. So when I went to college, instead of fully immersing myself in my own music and recording and all that, I, I chose the path of business, music business. <laughs> and then it was just so not fulfilling and one of my teachers said she's like you should be a teacher and I'm like no I don't want to be a teacher you'd be a great music teacher but no I don't want to be a teacher so my mother was a teacher my grandmothers were teachers and they always said you should be a teacher and I'm like there was something about teaching that felt for me like a failure because I wasn't doing the art I was teaching it so there was another little layer of, of stuff that I had to kind of work through and so I did, I shifted my, my uh, major to major in music education, and I ended up becoming a teacher. 22 years old, I was hired right away. And um, ironically, I ended up getting this choir, and I go to, to the school, and they're like, yeah, well, your first concert is in two, two months. Meanwhile, I'm ripe out of college, like 22 years old. And they're like, your first concert is in Carnegie Hall. I'm like, what? what so i i my soul gets thrown into these big these big things and i think for me it's really experience all of us it's just really the experience of of being here and 
and how how we navigate through them. And this is not saying before when I won my full scholarship, I was invited to Manhattan like every year at these dinners with Vanessa Williams and Gloria Estefan and Les Paul and these big names. And it was really strange, this little 18 year old there with all of these big, you know, and in the in the nineties, these were these were like the, the popular people. And but there was something about that world that you know, the pop world, the recording world, the, the, it was just did not resonate. It was just devoid of something there. So that's kind of what kind of pushed me towards the teaching. And I really liked it. And I loved working with children and I had so many of them. And again, it came really natural to me. So I taught all through my twenties, thousands and thousands of students and my choirs were big and some of these, you know, my students gave up their lunch hours to be with me. And I was like, oh, there may maybe I'm good at this, <laughs> you know? So, and I started to get basically in the, when I, maybe my late 20s, I started to get burnt out because the travel was long and it was just a lot. And it was very demanding. And um, I ended up getting married. And that's a whole other story in itself because again a lot of my process and my journey has been really listening to my own intuition and there were a lot of red flags that I had that I ignored and I think as women we might all go through this at some point in our life just because we are as feminine and as divine feminine women incarnating into feminine bodies we are really the intuitives we are really the natural healers we are really the empaths and we're taught in schools and, and by our parents or society to ignore all of our inner guidance and our inner compass. And, um, and I think part of our journey to become self-realized is really getting back into that inner knowing and inner uh, understanding and just honoring that part of us. So it took a really big crisis uh, my spiritual awakening to kind of bring me back or bring me forth towards the path of my path of destiny. And um, that was really challenging. I was, I, I, we had, I had a, my daughter was born and my first child, she, she's now 16. And I ended up having a C-section, which I wanted an all natural water birth. It was like everything that I hadn't planned. And um, I, it went, it put me into a pretty deep uh, postpartum depression because I believe, you know, what our bodies are meant to birth. Um, we have, we now have some medical, uh, you know, we, the, the medical community is, has some support that if, you know, if we don't birth right, or it doesn't go through the process, we can be supported. But I think we have gone so far that we've now went against the natural birthing uh, way. And that's what kind of what happened to me. So I knew intuitively what I wanted, but I listened to my doctor who ended up going to Tahoe and didn't even come when I, when they wanted to um, induce me. So I was induced like a lot and probably more powerfully than I should have been induced. And um, my labor was a, a disaster. And they ended up giving me emergency C-section. 
and then just nothing was you know I couldn't I couldn't breastfeed properly there wasn't enough, not enough milk and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and so again I felt this deep sense of unworthiness which was my you know if I go back you know you can you could put all the pieces together backwards but not when you're in it so that was a part of my journey to just be and um and then I remember seeing the movie The Secret. Did you guys see that? Oh yes. Yeah. So yes, this was back in two thousand six. Yeah, and I was like, oh, maybe this is my way out because I had this 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 deep depression that was not leaving. It was it was consuming, and I had this beautiful new baby, and I was I I just felt so bad. And part of it was hormones because you know when we have a C-section, our hormones don't do what they're naturally supposed to do. Um, and then I watched The Secret. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's more. So I started to make my vision board and da 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 da. da. And then, um, ironically, I started to feeling a tiny bit better. Maybe a few months after she was born, maybe four months. And then I had gone out for a walk with my dogs and my daughter, and I ended up getting bit by a tick like a tiny, tiny nymph tick. And I didn't know it. I didn't, I didn't know. So I ended up getting a contracting Lyme and ehrlichiosis, which is a, an, another tick-borne infection, which is actually fatal, which made me have mono and Epstein-Barr all at the same time. And I went undiagnosed for like seven months. I should have been dead. <laughs> Something wanted oh me to live. Goodness. Yeah, it was bad. I it infected my nervous system so badly that I couldn't even remember what the word chair was for chair. Like I was driving through red lights because I didn't remember they meant stop. Um, it was a mess, and I kept on going to doctors, and they're like, "Oh, you're fine. You look fine. You're just a new mom. You just need to sleep." And they didn't in the beginning. They didn't really have to test me for any of you know any of the Lyme. Although I live in Connecticut, they didn't, you know, test me until one doctor said, I don't care what the test. Seven months later, well, I don't care what the test say you're going to be treated. So I went on the protocol. It took, it probably took two years. Um, I was on IV, like a lot. And, um, but as I was feeling physically, I really had to do some deep, deep, deep physical, uh, spiritual cleansing and face a lot of stuff and pull layers off. And that was when my journey towards sound healing began because I remember I started meditating because everything else wasn't working. And I was like, okay, so the medicine didn't start to work, the antibiotics, but then it would, it would, um, it would regress the next day. And I was so frustrated. So then I started to meditate and, but my mind was so filled with because my nervous system was so infected, I could never focus on anything for more than like four seconds. So I found this, um, I, I, I saw about Tibetan bowls and I was like, what is this? So I went to the library. This was back 2000, I think this was 2007. I went to the local library and I watched this lady play the Tibetan singing bowls or Himalayan singing bowls. And I was like, oh, this is it. I felt like I was in heaven. I was like, oh, this is this is what heaven feels like. So I was just infatuated with these sounds. And then my research began there on the how certain instruments affect us, our brains, and 
particularly the bowls, though, these, the, not the crystal bowls, although I, I respect them. I don't use them typically. I use the, the Tibetan singing bowls because they work on our brains. That's why the monks, Tibetan monks, use them, because they work in bringing our brain into the theta uh, brainwave state in which we could tap into our subconscious. Yep. So that led me down to another path. Um, and so where we could change our beliefs and we can change our, um, we can access the storehouse of our soul, which led me down to past lives and all that stuff. So I was just immersed between 2006 and 2010. It was just everything, consciousness and everything. Um, it's just everything. And so that was basically how I got into, oh, and then I, I was teaching at the time. So I brought my bowls into to, with the kids and they loved it. And then I was teaching adults and it was just, okay, this was it. This was it. This was like the missing piece that I needed besides my own compositions and singing. It was adding the element of, of sound and healing and putting ourselves into a state that we can receive the frequencies. And then we could, you know, I look back and I'm like, I'm not a healer. I'm just a conduit. I'm just an open channel and I could tap into divine or divinity pretty easily because I was always a channel as a child. That's how I played the piano. I'd close my eyes and go. You know, and I felt, I felt immediately connected to the divine or God. And uh, Jesus was a master teacher that I connected with very much when I was younger. So I believe he's one of my teachers. And, um, yeah, so that was my journey up until 2010. And then 2010 was another little awakening moment. I ended up, I thought I was on my path. I got pregnant again and, um, I ended up getting hit by my own car. <laughs> I lost my baby. This was another time my house was robbed. And then I broke my knee in three spots and ankle and I was in a full leg cast. For like six months and oh i was goodness. like okay now what and now the dreams started coming so i started getting dreams that were prophetic um and i knew that because i started to keep a dream journal because it opened up another it accessed another part of me that i suppressed as a kid um because as a child i was i was able to see um beings and I think when I was, I remember being fourth grade and I, I got frightened. So I, I put it away. I was like, okay, I'm done. Um, and then I turned that off. And so it started again and it started through my dreams. And, um, I had this really one powerful dream where I was walking into a church and I was walking towards Beethoven who was in the church and he's, he told me to bring the piano up. And in my dream, I had my daughter, who was three at the time, and a little boy, and I just miscarried a girl. Um, so I didn't have my son yet, but the, the, the boy was in my dream. And he's asking me to bring in the piano to this church. We were having a conversation about music and structures of music. And then in waking life, my daughter was had woken up and she was crying and I'm in a cast at this point. So I'm scooting over to my bed, the side of my bed to turn on the light bulb and the light bulb literally shattered. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write this down. So I wrote this down 
And then two years later, um, I decided that I wanted to leave the system, the institution of teaching, the, you know, the, the public school system, and I wanted to open up my own center. So I just ended up in 2012, ended up the summer I had my a son, which ironically was two years prior um, in my dream. So I had a boy. And so I'm looking to rent a place in now I live in Newtown, Connecticut. So this will all make sense to you in a second. And I wanted to be near my daughter at her school. So I wanted to open up a center for consciousness and expansion of consciousness and sound, sound healing. And it was called sound. And my ex-husband at the time, or my husband at the time, which is now my ex, he, he said, well, why don't you look at the church across the, around the corner? And I was like, well, what church? I didn't even realize that there was a little chapel around the corner of my house. I would pass by it every day. I didn't even, I didn't even connect there because I wasn't in that space. He said, let's look at it. It's for sale. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy a church. <laughs> so... So we look at it and I walk in and I was like, oh, I'm supposed to buy this church because it was in my dream two years ago, two years wow. prior. So I wow. take, I, I end up, yeah. So I had saved a lot from being a teacher and I took a lot of money out of my uh, investments and I bought this church and um, my ex-husband renovated it. And it was during the summer of 2012. And I knew what my mission was. I knew it was for the expansion of consciousness and all of this um, had to do with sound and frequency. And, and so I picked my opening day as December 15th of that year. So that summer I ended up having more dreams. And in these dreams, there was a lot of death. There was a lot of people dying in the dreams and they were all these bodies were stacked up on top of each other. And then I heard I was like, well, what am I doing with this? I remember asking this big question, what am I doing with this, with them? And then I heard this big, loud voice say, you're hired. And then I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm going to write this down too. So a couple of months later, I'm getting ready for opening. And um, it was, I remember it was December 13th and they were putting the sign in, they were digging the sign in for the center. Oh no, December 14th. And then I got the, the call that my daughter was in lockdown. So it was Sandy Hook shooting and I'm in that town. Oh no. So my day of opening, my grand opening was the day after the shooting, the, the tragedy in Sandy Hook. So I was basically there as a healing center, right at, already set to open. I just had to follow the clues. And so that was quite, an experience for me. I learned pure surrender. I learned to be and just serve. I learned the act of service um, because there was the town was. It, I, I don't want to go backwards into that frequency or that, but there mm -hmm. was a lot. Um, there was a lot. I learned. I learned so much of how to be a servant to God, or servant to Source, or and just be humbled and and um to serve in any way that I could. So needless to say, um that was one of the hardest, one of the hardest. I've had a few more after that, but 
um, but it allowed me to really put what I knew intuitively and what I was practicing these past five years into practice. And that's really, I think, when we really move up levels or um, fully integrate and embody things because, you know, it's great to read things. It's great to, to, I don't know, to watch things. But when we have to walk the walk and walk the talk, that's when the true, the true empowerment and the true authenticity comes. So there's more, but I can, uh, we could stop. I mean, I, I don't know how long you want me to talk. I could keep on going. There's more to my story. But that's when I knew I was I was called, and I was particularly called to be there at that particular time. I was like, oh no, there are no accidents. Everything is divinely planned. You know, we come in here, we incarnate exactly where we're supposed to be, um, for whatever we're needed for or whatever we choose to do. Yeah, and I I wow. love how you talked earlier, and I think that you mentioned that our life gives us a series of clues, right? Mm-hmm. of where we need to go. And I mean, you have all the traits of what I would call like the, an old soul light worker that came into this lifetime to spread the light of consciousness. And I just love your journey um, and how, you know, spirit guided you to exactly where you needed to be and continues to guide you, I'm sure. Um, mm. As, you know, we're going into this, new energy with the new earth. And, you know, I think that what you're doing is so powerful right now and so needed uh, for people to have a way to connect at a deeper level. And I would say most everyone can connect through sound. Yes, we are all sound. That's all. We are energy. So in our purest form, we are energy and we are frequency and everybody has a unique frequency that our soul, our soul logos or our over soul has. And everyone can connect. It's really about, it's really about letting go. So I found more precise ways, just letting go and surrendering and allowing the true frequencies to emerge and the, to be heard, you know, um, not everybody's ready for it either because they have to, they have, their parts of them have to die. And, you know, it's interesting when we go through, when we, when we live, it's, it's designed this way, even when kids are really rebellious in their teens and they're reckless, da, 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 da. it's part of them want to die, but they don't know it, that it's not, it's not, it's not physically, it's, it's metaphorically. And then we go mm-hmm. through another process when we're 27, we get a release of DMT, dimethyltryptamine. And that's when it's the 27 club, that's that they, a lot of them die, but it's not really, it's, it's a metaphorical thing because we're releasing these chemicals to bring us into a new stage. So complete sense. Yeah. And I've, you know, I, I think, um, so I've, I've also done a lot of, a lot of ceremonies with ayahuasca and, and, um, it's, 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 as a consciousness, we are being invited to just look at our darkness and look at our shadow and not stay there though. It's really just to bring the light of God and the light of love there. And because we can get stuck and trapped in these little, these rabbit holes that are dark and being on the earth plane, 
that's the whole point of being here and seeing all of these levels that we could play in and these frequencies and these um, planes. And we don't have to stay in the darkness, though. That's the thing. We, we can go towards the light and still be incarnate. And that's the ascension. It's really being able to hold this highest state of your highest full self merging with the, the highest aspect. Um, Om Namah Shivaya is that. Like, so the chant, so we can go back to sound, the chant Om Namah Shivaya is really surrendering the small part of you into the higher aspect of yourself. So when you chant Om Namah Shivaya, I had that on one of my albums. It's it's a very it's a very popular chant, um, but that's what it is. It's 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 allowing the lower part to dissolve into the higher aspect or the oversoul of your being. Well, too bad this podcast is an hour because we can we can we can I continue. <laughs> <laughs> I can come on another time because I actually had a near death experience two years ago to add to this whole oh this whole thing. Yeah, this oof, this was it's it's gonna be a book. I, I should be writing too, but I'm writing music now and and, and teaching <laughs> workshops. So at some point, but um, yeah, we we don't ever die ever. Um, and 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 in this state, in this form that we are, is really the dream state. This is the dream state. When we die, we actually wake up. So, and it's you know, it's all it's kind of a game, and you can look at it as a game because it takes away the. It's it's a very very very. You can it's a it's a very powerful game, but um. It's really a journey, and we are at such a profound, amazing, transformational time to be here. And, you know, who chose to be here? Pat's on the back. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful story, Aurelia. Going back to um, your story that you were sharing, I wanted to touch on you mentioning not feeling worthy. Um, I mm. think so many of us, especially as women can relate. We don't feel worthy for a lot of things. Um, but it's all about, you know, listening to spirit, listening for that call and answering. And yes, we are worthy. Um, and so we just need to be able to accept and step into that power. And it sounds like sound therapy is a good way to do that. Yeah, I, um, there are so many ways. Um... But yes, sound, because it's, a, again, frequency is, mm -hmm. is what we're going for. It's, it's the raising of the frequency. And um, so one of my courses, one of my digital courses that I created was Step Into the Power of Your Voice. And it's going through all the places in us where we don't feel worthy and we're disconnected from from God or the source of the creator. And it's, it's really about connecting back and you're right for women. It's, it has been a harder journey, I think, um, because of the fact that we are so powerful and we're innately powerful and we're, we're, we're the birthers, you know, God chose mm -hmm. us to birth and there's a reason for that. And it is the most profound transformation a woman can have. And, and, and there, there brings immense power when one births. I mean, you can birth anything. You can birth a creation. You can birth, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't art, but there is, it's, it's the birth. It's, it's the surrendering and getting yourself out of the way, getting your little self out of the way so that the bigger part of you can birth through you. 
And that's why I do love sound and chanting and mantra work in particular, because, you know, we have so many preconceived notions, especially in the West about chanting and we're coming through that, which is amazing and awesome and divinely perfectly orchestrated. But that chanting gets you out of your head and into a a place of non-resistance, which is what sound therapy also can do for you. It puts you in a place of non-resistance so that you can heal and you can, you know, there's a reason why the monks use Tibetan bowls because the Tibetan singing bowls place you in a place of non-resistance. It it, it lowers your, um, you know, stress levels, it lowers anxiety so that you can connect back in to who you are and continue to be reminded that. So that's my job. Just, I'm just reminding people of who they are, who they are at a core soul level. I love that. And I love chanting. You're right. It turns off the chatter in my mind and that really paves the way for me to connect. So yes, I really enjoy chanting. It's something that I had come across in Kundalini yoga. Um, I had found a Kundalini yoga class on YouTube and chanting was involved and I'm always up to try something new. And it was amazing. I loved it because I got in touch with my voice and I've always enjoyed singing as well. Like you said, you were, you came out of the womb singing. (laughs) That was definitely (laughs) me too. So chanting, I really got in touch with my voice, my throat chakra, but it helped me to quiet down that mental chatter or, you know, those anxious thoughts or it just turned that off and really opened up a way for me to get in touch with spirit and it's a beautiful practice it really is it absolutely is that's you're you're doing sound therapy you're you're doing sound healing work on yourself every time you chant man i never had connected those two dots yep. but i love that that's really yep. neat yeah um so let's shift gears a little bit so in your own words um what exactly is sound sound therapy, like in a very basic definition, and how does it relate to energy healing or Reiki? I know you have some Reiki background as well. Um, yeah, I am a Reiki master. I don't use it a lot. It's it's basically channeling energy, and when you're connected, you're connected. It doesn't matter what modality. So, sound again, sound healing or sound therapy is basically bringing a person or a client or a participant into a place of non-resistance. And then that place of non-resistance, a body can heal, but it's really, the body is usually the last place that has healing because we are in this very dense, you know, three-dimensional physical construct. People that are, you know, in pain or carrying, it's usually just resistance. And so, but they're resisting something, something at the soul level is trying to come through. So it's, it's, it's allowing this again, allowing the surrender to occur. It's, it's, it's always back to surrender and surrendering the things that no longer serve us. So sound, so chanting mantra work or using the bowls or when I sing, cause I sing a lot when I chant, oh, when I use the bowls and I do my own sound baths um, locally. 
I end up just bringing people into a place of non-resistance so that they can hear the divine frequencies that I sing. And um, when you in particular do a, do a meditation and you chant first, the chanting allows your mind to chat to, uh, to basically, I remember one, it, it was a wonderful uh, analogy. I, I took TM, Transcendental Meditation, back in, it was given to our town during, after uh, the tragedy. And she put it so amazing. Uh, she was a teacher and she's basically said, just, it settles the mind like a calm sea and the chanting just taps into the certain frequency that you need to calm your mind. And so that you can go higher than the mind because we're not our mind, but we're even, we're even more than that. So it just sound, true sound healing is the manipulation of energy to bring you to a place of non-resistance and higher states of awareness. Is that, I like is that, that. Is that sound right? Does that sound like, yes. yeah, understand? Oh, it, yeah, okay. it resonates yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wasn't, she wasn't sure what you exactly answered the question. So that's, yeah, that's kind of, it just removes the resistance because in our earth, there's just, it's all resistance and, you know, and it's pulling back the layers of, of junk so that we can get to the, the core truth of who we are. We're light. We're light and we're love. That's it. That's who we are. I couldn't agree more. Everything yep. that you say, I'm just like nodding here. Like she's got it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> and you but the only way that we can get there, the only way that we can get there and see that is really to go, we have to see the duality first because we're on a plane of duality and yep. duality exists here for a reason. And because we can't really fully appreciate who we are until we have the opposite experience. So profound suffering plays a role. We, we do come here to suffer because we have to find unconditional love. And a lot of times through the suffering, we can find unconditional love. And yeah. it's like pushing, like, unfortunately, there's this pushing here that the contrast, the, the, it's the duality that we, we, we rise above once we understand that everything is divinely perfect. Exactly. There is no good or bad. It's all just one. Right. Yep. And uh, yeah, and it's all an experience. Yeah. It's just an, it's an experience that you signed up for. Oh goodness, <laughs> and I, you know, I love that. You know, my my twin, my divine partner, is on the other side now. He's he's. This is part of what happened with my near death experience, which we can talk about another time. But I I I, I know he hears me because we are in constant contact, and I'm like, dude, I am not doing it like this again. Sorry. Nope. Next time we're not doing it like this. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm curious uh, what your beliefs are on the power of the frequencies of our own voice. So I have heard before that, you know, our own tone and voice and kind of like what our voice, um, when we, when we project our voice into the world, our voice contains frequencies that tell a lot about our energy. Like, for example, I've been told I carry a lot of masculine energy mm -hmm. and I can mm -hmm. listen to you and Roxy and I can feel an abundance of divine feminine energy. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a beautiful question. I love it. And I love that you asked that. Not many people would ask that question. I love it. So we, our our energy is perfectly designed for us and where we are in our 
evolution. Um, I'm going to just go back quickly to where the engineer, the producer that I work with to, to, to work at the end of my, uh, my projects, he would love to, he's like, I love your voice. And he's won Grammys and you know, he's, he's already at the top of his game. He's like, but I love to work with your voice. I love mixing it because it's so balanced, it's mm-hmm. balanced because he can hear that the, I have also a very masculine set. I'm also a one energy in this lifetime. So it's masculine. Um, that's part of, I, I can't ignore the power. And then there is the feminine um, and I can sing a high soprano and then, so it's balanced. So I, I do feel that our energies, our, our it's, it's obvious, well, to somebody who is sound sensitive, I could hear people and say, oh yeah, you need to a little bit, you need to exert yourself a little bit more. Your third chakra is, is a little <laughs> bit, you know, I can see it because I, I, I feel an energy. I just, it's all energy. I can feel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so uh, you were right on. What you said was, I feel is, is very intuitive and correct. Um, and some of us need to learn, like in a lifetime, need to just be the divine feminine um, and just be that, that frequency or hold that frequency where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm a balancer, a balance. Um, and even when I look at my work with working with singers or a group of people, I take the energy and I, I move it to a place that I want it to. It's, it's, it's manipulating energy again. So if you want to work, are you, if you want to work more in the feminine, right? So if you hear somebody that has more of a masculine tone to them or masculine frequency in their voice, if, if they want balance, you know, it depends on all what you want and what you desire. Like if you want more balance, then you'll find things to do that are more feminine and receptive. So you can activate some of that part in you. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And on my journey, I have spent years pulling in the divine feminine intuitively to achieve what I think all of us need to eventually energetically achieve is the balance between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Yes. So it completely made sense what your, you know, your explanation. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and I, it was really clear. I remember when I left my marriage, it was back in 2000, I don't remember 2015. And I was like, okay, I need more feminine. I need, I need, I was working in such a masculine way I was commuting. I was running a center. I was te- I was teaching, you know, hundreds of kids a week and students a week, and and I was like, oh my goodness! And I was holding. I was holding everything. I felt like, and it was. I was like, I need to shift. So what I did was, I consciously said, this might be something that you know could resonate with you or some of your listeners. I consciously said that I'm going to do things that will make me surrender and receive. So I gave myself. The opportunity to go to a lot of massages <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just receiving, you know, not doing anything, just being. Mm-hmm. So we talked about our voice and the different energies it can hold, what it can say about us. Um, I want to try transition to language. So I've heard in the yoga training that Sanskrit is said to be a healing language. So even speaking some of these words has a healing property. 
Um, and then when I was looking through some of the music on your website, I saw your song Gayatri Mantra. Mm. I think that's how you say that. Mm -hmm. um, so I was wondering if you could speak more about how language can have healing properties. Ah, another lovely question. Um, language holds light. Language holds frequencies. It, all language is, is basically mathematical um, transference of a frequency. And mm -hmm. Sanskrit specifically is the mo known as the mother of all languages. It is the one of the oldest languages and speaks directly to our cells and our cell, cell memory or DNA. It doesn't matter what, if you are an older soul now, chances are you've had a life where you were in the East somewhere. So it, it is, is kind of a, a language that it is a remembrance language, I could say. And um, Sanskrit reflects actually spiritual light and it turns on the light and enhances the light within us because God isn't outside of us. It's just, that's a whole other thing. Um, mm -hmm. God is inside of us. And so Sanskrit in particular, it, it, it enhances and it quickens, quickens the light within us. Mm. And so the Gayatri Mantra so you you studied kundalini right so yeah that that's a really quick powerful and uh practice that's light i i used to uh we used to have kundalini a lot when i owned my center so i practiced that a lot but um the, the sanskrit is really interesting because the way that um the the bead mantras are in the the language it hits certain parts mm -hmm. of our mouth which activates um, like it, perfect places in our palate. And then, um, these five positions in our, in our mouth correspond to the, our brain and our body. And then it just even magnifies it even more. So put it this way. There's no waste in Sanskrit. <laughs> there's no, they don't, they don't waste anything. It's like the mother of the languages. It's, it's a powerful healer. And then especially practicing Sanskrit chanting or, you know, chanting in Sanskrit and it it is really the most it's the quickest way put it that way it's quick it's quick and it moves that energy is... fast because it doesn't so when you're chanting these vibrations so so they're all so the gayatri mantra is 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 like the our father but mm -hmm. in sanskrit and it's to the mother so um the Hindus really place the divine mother at the pedestal. So it's basically the opposite. So you got the East and the West, you have the, the masculine and the feminine. <laughs> so again, it's balanced, it's balanced, but the, but the Gayatri Mantra just in particularly, I love this one. Um, I've been chanting this for 15 years. It's, it helps you regain spiritual power and everybody would benefit from chanting that in today's day because it, it's a protector of negative energies but it, it moves you to a higher place it's a nourishing chant and it is the most powerful chant you can chant so that is so beautiful so i'm encouraging all listeners right now to go to aurelia's website we'll mention that at the end and put it on the socials but listen to that song gayatri mantra and Aurelia, I love that fun fact about how it hits five places in our palate. I'm also a dental hygienist and I'm studying a lot of stuff related to that right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to look more into that. Oh, um, and, I think yeah, that's and really Sanskrit fascinating. Does like, 
it's incredible. And the Sanskrit languages, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't remember exactly the fact, I'm, I'm, but it's like 72 million. <laughs> it, 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 it literally activates everywhere. So it's basically a system, a language system that is healing within itself because it, it hits the nadis. Like I think, I think the Gayatri in particular, 72,000 nadis that it hits. So those are the, think of, um, acupressure spaces or so it just it it clears your energy naturally there's yeah, so much that's, <laughs> yeah that's beautiful making notes ladies lots of notes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay krista you go next so we're both curious because we're mothers and a lot of our listeners are mothers as well how do you use sound with your own children Ah, so when my son was born in 2014, um, he came right out. I had a VBAC, which was great. So I had both experiences of C-section and I was very disempowered. And then an, a VBAC, so vaginal birth after C-section. So uh -huh. I was very empowered and I had all the hormones and I was like, oh, this is what birthing is. So I pulled him up right up. They gave him to me right away. And I, I put him on my chest. And the first thing I sang to him was the Gayatri mantra. I was like, honey, Aww. you're going to be a powerful masculine that loves women in this new age. Um, and I knew that because he was in my stomach and I, I knew the energy was diff different than my daughter, but I knew mm -hmm. he was very like, I was like, oh, I have the Buddha. So with both of them, it's really interesting because um, I've, I've used the Tibetan bowls on both of them. They, I, when they were little and if they were like cranky or, you know, they were teething or, you know, they didn't feel good. I would actually place Tibetan singing bowls on them and they would, they would quiet down immediately. Oh, wow. but now, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just, a, it's a place of non-resistance. It's the sound. So my son listens to Tibetan bowls every night on his on YouTube and um Aww. when he goes to his father's he uses it so he gets it he gets it I came into his classroom and I did a lesson with them with the with the, the fourth graders last year on sound and energy and um but I do tell them the biggest thing that I'm trying to get through and it's my daughter who's a little bit more resistant because she's in high school 16 and you know she it it's the power of their word because the power of the word is sound and you create your reality. And it's trying to have her understand that everything she says is going to come back to her some way, shape or form. So it's basically being mind, really being mindful where, you know, their father is just in a whole different camp. You know, he totally different. So it's, it's interesting that they have these two, their experience, two parents who are very, very, diametrically opposing um and so they have these this choice to make at whatever particular time in their life that they could come into self-realization if they if they choose it or if, if they're ready for it that everything in their life they create everything in their life so it, it goes back to the power of sound and their the power of their word and the power of their thoughts and the power of of their emotions and their actions and you know, being in alignment with their truth. Otherwise you have chaos. So they know, 
they can, they start that's to see it. Yeah. My, my son is really aware. He's, he's, he, he could, he could be a spiritual teacher. He could, he could, if I can, I can see it in him. My daughter is very gifted musically. Um, but you know, I, I, I have to, well, I have, to, I'm learning right now in my own path that I'm not here to change anybody. I'm not here to, to convince anybody, you know, when, when people are ready, they will come and ask, or they will rise to the teachings. That's I love what you said about, um, our words coming back to us or our thoughts coming back to us. And I think that's an especially poignant message for our kids, especially teenage years. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that's, and that's a, hard. That's and yeah. And that's, and that's hard. They have to go through, they have to go through the journey. It's all the journey. You know, I, when I was in my teenage years, I loved into a lot of guns and roses. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to marry. I wanted to marry Axl Rose and Beethoven. So that can speak <laughs> that. You know, there's a lot of power and darkness there. But but exploring that darkness is is part of the journey and what we must go through so that we can see the capacity for the opposite side of that light. You know, it's it's the whole being. It's the balance of masculine and feminine. It's the whole thing. Very true. Opinion. Yeah, I do similar things with my own son. He'll use a word for both of my sons and I'll be like, that's a low vibe word. We do not use those <laughs> words in this house. We only use love and light words in this house. <laughs> and I said, yes, we're old. working. <laughs> yeah. How old are they? I have an eight year old and a five year old. And oh. like your son, the eight-year-old is so deeply spiritual and he understands such deeply profound spiritual things, just like innately that I'm just blown away. Like we were in the, the car today driving to school and he looks at me and he says, you know, I think the most profound question you can ever ask is who am I? And I about like, mm, Oh my gosh. Out oh. My, <laughs> my chair. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. Know, yeah. This is what we're doing this for. We're doing this so that this next generation can just continue on the work. We know we're, we're just breaking stuff down. <laughs> but you know? I think that they innately get it a lot yep. quicker than we do. Lord, how mercy I had to suffer so much. Uh, I know yeah. you did because you yep. said that and Roxy. Oh. So hopefully they will not have to go through the suffering because they will be at such a higher level of consciousness that, yep. you know, the 3d reality will not touch them. You know, that's what, that's what the goal is. I think that's what the plan is, but who knows? We gotta, we gotta, we got a higher order in, in order, <laughs> but yeah, apparently I, I, I I remember, oh gosh, I don't remember listening to something. And they said by 2070, maybe, yeah, that these these children that are going to come in are going to be remembering their past lives. The The veil is, there's going to be no need for that much veil. I, I don't, you know, Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, with this, there could be the new earth and the old earth so that you're in two separate, we are supposed to be going to a new earth. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in our lifetime, but it, it's really not about going anywhere. It's about being. 
<laughs> so no matter what earth you're in, it's just about holding that consciousness. But the self-awareness and, and the, the remembering of past lives and all that stuff with these little kids that are coming in, I totally believe it. Totally believe it. I look at my son. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Yeah. It's amazing. Exciting. It is exciting because, you know, our, our world has suffered so long, right? And we've probably been on this planet many, many times and we're old souls <laughs> and we've been through all the pain and suffering. And now we've come to this point at like an impasse where we're able to finally get somewhere, you know? Right. Consciously choose instead of exactly. unconsciously reactively. Yeah. Consciously choose where do you want to go? How do you want to create your life and create it? So what are the three things you would recommend for all people on the journey of healing and expanding their consciousness? So, you know, it depends on where the soul is, of what level. So if they're just starting to see that they're in this, matrix <laughs> made by their own mind <laughs> made by their own mind um you know the the first thing i would say would be to um just start moving inward and getting off of a lot of the information places the technology the propaganda all of that um and just start listening to themselves like listening to what the stories are in their mind um, what, what are they telling themselves? What is the repeating? Is there a, a repetitive thought? Um, and just start becoming aware in that sense of what, you know, that, that speaks a lot to where, what vibration you're in or what frequency you're in. Um, if you're surrounding yourself with news, you're surrounding yourself with, you know, what's going on between World Economic Forum, all that stuff, all the stuff that we, we know. If you're constantly in that, you're still in the place of duality. So again, you have a choice. Do you want to stay in that or do you want to rise above? Mm -hmm. And if you want to rise above that, get yourself into as much nature as possible all the time, every day. Nature, 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 because there's no resistance in nature. Yep. Um, and then connect to the earth. And Gosh, and then honestly, move towards compassion and love for yourself, really. Like of, of your story, of everyone's story. They, it, it, you can't heal anything without seeing it. And then have compassion for it and, and turn the light on. Because there's a choice. You can stay in the dark or we can just turn the light on. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's some quote about that. Um, and I would also really just be conscious about what you're surrounding yourself with, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, the frequency of what you're listening to, what you're ingesting. Again, it's all vibration and all frequency. And what we dominantly surround ourselves with is what's going to dominantly predominate our life. And we could create from that place of consciousness. It's all consciousness. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all these characters are just states of consciousness. It's what one goes through through the whole journey towards self-realization. It's consciousness. That is some beautiful advice, my friend. I love it. And I agree with oh, all thank of you. it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
So it's only through lots of suffering. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) I paid my price. I paid my price. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. But I think I do love the earth. I've been here so many times. I love the earth. I love this school. I have come so much compassion for humanity so much. I took the Bodhisattva vow too. And I was like, what the heck did I do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which means, yeah, to continue with, with, a with a, uh, a Buddhist monk um, during a ceremony. It's my twin flame, the one that's on the other side. I oh, went with really? him and he's wow. like, yep, you're, you're just doing the work. You're just not taking the vow. And I'm like, what? So I, ironically, the day we went to do this month, this Buddhist, uh, Buddhist ceremony or the, the Buddhist mass or yeah, he was offering it. Ironically, we didn't sign up for it. He's like, nope, you're taking it. And I'm like, Oh really? I have to come back here till everyone's liberated. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I think that there's a reason why we choose back and we always come back. And I think it's because there is so much in in the depths of all the pain, there is love in that pain, you know? Mm, yes. And so much. Um, that's where we and I you said this earlier in, in the podcast where, you know, in the depths of your own pain, that's when you are able to connect to that deeper part of yourself, which is love and light, right? So that's incredible. Yes. What sorts of services do you offer and how can people get in touch with you? So currently, um, well, my music is every, you know, it's on Spotify, iTunes, they can find, all my music, the IXM radio. And I usually write an album a year. I'm going to have, I'm working on two now. Um, and I offer digital courses now in, in have two introductory courses for sound healing, vocal sound healing. And then I have a new step into the power of your voice. It's an amazing, this is like one of my favorite, favorite projects that I've created. And it's, it's really tailored towards women and it's women's needs, women's issues. You know, we work a lot with the, the unworthiness and it's, it's, it's move, it's taking our voice and moving it through each of these areas. And it's basically shadow work, but it's, but it's light, but it's, but it's really not staying in that shadow. So it's honoring it, seeing it, bringing love to it, and then moving it through, through the voice and through the understanding of how powerful our voices are. So that's also available on my website. So all of these are, everything's on my website. And I actually do, um, I also do past life regret. I became a past life regression therapist. Um, so I, I just love time traveling. <laughs> uh, I love, I love watching people in different, different times. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's fun. And so that's, everything is there on my website. There's links to everything. Yeah, I, I was watching your YouTube and it looks like you have some, you know, kind of like spiritual teaching series that you oh, have yes. started to put out that I've really enjoyed listening to. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, this was a new, this was a new little, um, you know, this is not my main thing, but I, I have, I've had so many books that are just sitting in my, in my house for, you know, of 25 years and I was like well what can I do with them I'm gonna just make a, a little podcast of myself reading some of this profound 
wisdom and mm-hmm. put my music to it. And so it's weeklies on s- Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Aurelia's Light. And we're gonna, I'm going to do it probably for a year. See how, you know, because it takes a lot to make these videos. Um, and I love it, though. It's, and yeah, it's just, it's really receiving. So I wrote it as receiving the information or receiving the transmission. Mm-hmm. And then a little part of it at the end is just meditating, like quiet meditation on them. Beautiful. Yeah. I love and it. And I love how you have all these different modalities that you're spreading the light of consciousness. Um, and I think the past life regression thing is just like an old soul thing. All of us love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just fun. It's fun. It's fun. Well, yeah, when I went to what I did a, an ayahuasca ceremony, but God, many many years ago, and uh-huh. this was this was trippy because the first time I did it, I saw eternity. I was like, oh my God, eternity! That was a lot to for my brain to grasp. Um, but this one, I I slipped into a language that was not that I didn't know, but it felt so comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. It felt way more comfortable than English. Um, and it was so fluid and it was so heartfelt and it, it felt like the earth, like it was the language of the earth or Gaia. And, you know, I can now do it at any time, really. I just have to get into that, that frequency. Um, but for ayahuasca in particular, just helps me just realize the expansiveness of our souls. Oh my gosh, if we knew, if we knew who we truly are, it's, it's baffling and mind blowing. Yes, I, oh. I completely agree with you. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Well, I cannot thank you enough, Roxy and I, for agreeing to be interviewed. This is an amazing interview, and you have given us so many beautiful nuggets of information that myself, Roxy, and our listeners can take with them on their healing journey. So, Thank you so much. Namaste. I salute you. You are beautiful. Thank you. I loved being here. I loved being here and chatting with you ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, be sure to share your light.